Hello everyone and welcome to episode 37 of Digital Digital Get Down. It's time for our weekly fireside chat. Weekly fireside chat. We have a nice cup of tea this time. Beautiful. Um, we are your normal hosts, Bennett and Heather. Yep. And instead of asking for reviews or money or sponsors this week. No begging. We're just asking for nice comments about my haircut. Yeah. I cut a lot of hair off. Where can the people see it on the internet? Is it, I will have to post live? a picture on our Twitter. It isn't anywhere on the internet, aside from in some personal mm-hmm. uh, chats. But maybe I'll post a picture and you can all go on and tell me how cute my new hair looks because I'm feeling very self-conscious about it. And you didn't lose a dare. I didn't lose a dare. I just felt like I needed a little bit of a change and it was getting... it was. Very, very long, but now I'm feeling very anxious about how short it is. Well, I'm sure all the listeners at home can tell there's something different about you. Well, I mean, if they don't even need to see the picture, if they just want to write in and tell me how great I am, that's fine too. But take it. um, My other good personal note this week Mm -hmm. is that I'm currently beating you at chess. I didn't think we were gonna po- we were gonna talk about that out loud. I probably just jinxed it for myself because I really don't know where else to go from here. But mm. like, I had a really good move to take your queen. We've been playing one game over the course of two weeks now, and that's like one not, move at a time. That, yeah, that's not where I'm at my best. Where Me neither, I'm, though. You mm. know that I'm not good at chess. I'm not at my best in any sort of chess situation. Yeah, I woke up and you had my queen pinned down, mm-hmm. and I. Thought about walking out of the house. And you sent me an angry text. It yeah. was, good morning, how dare you beat me at chess. <laughs> and I had you in check. I had um, you in check at one point as well. Yeah, okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, any hot Oscar takes that you left the, uh, the award ceremony with? I was just impressed or pleased that... They didn't, like, shy away from the issues. Like, I felt like, was it the Emmys where everyone wore, like, the Time's Up Golden Globes, pins, maybe? The Globe, Golden Globes, maybe, and they all had black dresses and Time's yeah. Up pins and stuff. But, like, there was not a single mention of it in the monologues and, like, any of the male actors. Like, nobody referenced it at all. Right. Whereas this time I appreciated that Jimmy Kimmel just went straight for it. Sure. And I feel like that's a lot more refreshing is to acknowledge it and, and make poignant comments about it, even mm-hmm. if some of them were played for for a joke, yeah. and even though he's a white dude saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought he was fine overall. My other hot take was that I would have lost my mind if I was in that Wrinkle in Time screening and Lin-Manuel Miranda <sighs> offered me Sour Patch Kids. It had uh, it had some, some interest to it, I guess. It was not fun to watch from home. No, just so awkward. But and... if I was there, I would have lost it. Did you read the thing? That was the, from the perspective of one of the people that was no. there. It was pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, thank you for not bringing up Jennifer Garner, because I was going to flip out if you if you had a hot take about that. Oh, no, I think it's silly. I think award shows are so My boring. My God. People, people always look for funny audience reactions, and people are just want something to meme. I know celebrities have to always assume the paparazzi has their cameras pointed at them. But dear Lord, find something a slightly more interesting than a woman making like a... An unhappy face. And I don't know what's worse, that she, that they were making that meme, or that she then, like, came out and, like, made jokes and responded to it. Did you see that? Yeah, there's, like, just as many headlines about, oh, Jennifer Garner has come out and and and, and finally addressed the controversy. Yeah. <sighs> Am I allowed to have one more Black Panther, like, uh, opinion? Fangirl or? moment? Sure. 
not even a fangirl moment. I just read this really interesting thing either on Tumblr or Twitter mm-hmm. that was talking about how the movie kind of pits the main conflict between T'Challa and Michael B. Jordan for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, like good Black Panther versus evil Black Panther or however you want to yeah. look at it. But that the real conflict or the real victory is Nakia and Michael B. Jordan. Because they're both set up to be like these spy characters that have worked for a long time and they right. both have the same ideas of what Wakanda should do in terms of that Wakanda should be helping other nations. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan goes in and like destabilizes the government and takes over. But Nakia is the one who does the reverse coup. She's the reverse one who gets the royal family to safety, yeah. steals the heart flower thing, goes and makes allies with the Jabari, which have not allied with with them in however many generations Mm -hmm. and then comes up with the plan to make sure that the weapons don't get out out. and convinces the general Okoye Mm -hmm. to have her troops like do a um what like do be participate in the coup yeah Wow, so she's the hero of the story. Yes, but because she's the spy, yeah. like, she doesn't take the credit for it or, like, want any of the credit. Interesting. So, like, the, the movie sets it up as being, like, ooh, uh, you know, Killmonger is amazing at destabilizing governments and mm-hmm. t- taking over in governmental times of governmental crisis. Yeah. But really, Nakia does the same thing and better because she wins. Big year for women. Yes. Gosh. Isn't that cool? Who runs the world? Wow. I thought that was amazing because that really is the, if you look at it Mm -hmm. that way, it makes a lot more sense and she is very successful at it. Okay. Like all T'Challa does has to do is like wake up from his coma. Well, apparently Mr. Chadwick has come out. I'm sure some of the quotes were taken out of context, but he was saying that, yeah, T'Challa is like not really the hero of the story. He's not necessarily the guy you should be rooting for. I mean, you. I think you root for him as like a person because he mm. seems like a really genuine person who cares yeah. about his family and has like the best ideals in mind. Muscles, yeah. But he's oh, not yeah. always. Right. <laughs> but he's not always right about everything. Yeah. And he wouldn't necessarily have made the quote unquote right decision without the women in his family around go. him and without the the push of the challenger for the throne, mm-hmm. the to challenger. To challenger. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I thought you were gonna say that he. Um, that he came out with a story about how Denzel Washington, like, paid for his um, college. Did you see that? No. He got some sort of scholarship. Like, Denzel wasn't like, I pick you, I choose you, Chaz- Chadwick. Yeah. But Denzel, like, apparently pays for scholarships for, like, black students to go to drama school or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so Chadwick actually had, like, a handwritten note from him. Like, when he got the scholarship. It's pretty baller. And he said he had been keeping the, it a secret until he was a big enough star to come out and feel <laughs> like he was, like, worthy of it. And he got to meet Denzel Washington. So I'm fine with Mr. Denzel occupying that front row Oscar seat, but... Is it okay that I'm not high on Meryl Streep? That I think her, her meme has kind of peaked a little bit? I think she had her moment last year when she had, there's that gif of her that everyone uses of her clapping and hollering and like pointing at the stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine. Like she's fine being there and like the jokes were fine, but they do seem a little bit stale. Okay. And she's not going to get nominated every single year. So they'll have to come up with some new material eventually. They'll probably still put her in the front row just because she's Meryl. Potentially. Okay. What else you got? 
Do you have any newses? You told me you were a little bit short on links this I week. I didn't really have strong opinions this week, but I did come up with a couple things. Do you want to start with good news or bad news? So we talked about Jennifer Garner. Are we going to talk news, about The Bachelor? News, good news, I'm willing to talk more about The Bachelor than I am Jennifer Garner. Are you serious? Who are you? Did you hear what happened? No, and I do not care. I was I'm going to sit here and sip my tea. And was not going to click the headlines. Out of all the headlines you don't click, you clicked The Bachelor one. Uh, I saw one about Minnesota trying to like not let one of them into the state or something. <laughs> um, so I don't know any of the names or anything because I didn't actually watch any of it. Ari and... So he picked his gal, did the whole proposal thing, I think. Okay. And they were doing like the finale finale where they like check in on them a couple weeks later and like, oh, wow, this this honeymoon is like going really, really well. Were they married? Mm, no. Okay. Because I know like in the American one, they usually push the marriage thing where the Australian one that we watched a little bit of it was just yeah. kind of like, yay, they're dating now. Right. So I don't think that they, they definitely weren't married. I'm not sure if they were engaged. But so ABC set it up and... Essentially, what happens is he he ditches the girl he picked for the runner-up two weeks after he the show ended. His mind? Yes, and the runner-up is just like, yeah, okay. And the biggest drama, I guess, was that I mean, they had the cameras in this house with just the two of them, and so they followed the heartbroken girl around after he broke her heart. And obviously, like the cameras and crew knew what was going to happen, and she had no idea, and so she had to stay in this house. For like a couple hours with him and they just like awkwardly walked around each other. Okay. Yeah. Why are you making me care about this? I don't care. It's devastating. For whom? The American public that people watch For all TV? of mankind, I think, yeah. Okay. So that's part of my bad news. My other bad news... I never thought I'd see the day where your bad news was The Bachelor. Yeah. Um, also Marvel, I'm going to talk about. As bad news? Yeah. That one's less of a shock. Um... So there, there is um, sort of early, early peak at what the runtime of the Avengers movie is going oh, to be. Oh, I did see that. That is the longest one yet. AMC is saying they think it's two hours and 36 minutes. Give me the four-hour Black Panther and don't show me this movie at all. Um, and this is part one of two, correct? Huh? Isn't, isn't Infinity War in two parts? I did not know that. Yeah, when Chris Hemsworth was on one of those shows, he said, yeah, we filmed it all together, didn't he? I think he meant the last... The last one? I don't know, because he wasn't in the last... The... No, I think he meant the last Avengers one they filmed it together. Uh, what's it called? Avengers... Uh, Infinity War. That's the current one. What was the yeah. one before that? Not Ultron. Yeah. Age of Ultron? Age of Ultron, I think. Some of these names are worse than like the James Bond names at this point. Yeah. Um, Untitled Avenger. Yeah, it's a two-parter. What? Yeah. I did not know that. So, yeah. That's going to be a long-ass movie. And what I'm getting at is that if that's only half of it, like, I don't know how long those Mockingjay... This is some Game of Thrones bullshit right here. But, I mean, if they're having Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff, they have to make it that long, I guess. I guess. I guess I'd rather have them make it longer than, like, try and shove 72 characters into, into yeah. two hours. Yeah, 90 minutes that's or something. That's literally, like, George R. R. Martin bullshit. Where you he's, need a bathroom like, break. Where he's, like, the fifth book 
who is now split up into five, six, and first of seven or whatever yeah. because he like doesn't have an editor. So I admit I'm a little bit intrigued to go to see what kind of a train wreck it is. You are the one that's supposed to be the strong one in this relationship of not wanting to go and I have to drag you. That's the thing that we do. Oh, that's our shtick? Hmm. <laughs> not anymore, I guess. Okay, so yeah, that's that's my bad news for this week. I'm just going for Shuri's outfits. It's... Little Black Panther. Okay. You, she, you like her fashion sense? I think it's cool. And her weaponry. I just like her. Okay. Um, do you have any good news? I do. I was going to give you oh, a chance. Oh, I'm doing bad news? Yeah. My bad news is like a serious one, though. That's fine. I have a serious good news, so that would Okay, segue well, my well. serious bad news is, like, obviously the school shooting, slash shooting in general, I feel like other shootings aside from school shootings are getting a little bit of a backseat. It's like, arming teachers, it's not going to help with, like, movie theater shootings and the mm. Las Vegas shooting and stuff. Like, True. Vegas was the deadliest one ever, and that one is just kind of been put on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Like, arming teachers would not have helped at a concert. No. So, it... I think that, I don't know if they're doing it intentionally to shift the conversation to arming teachers and shift it away from just generalized gun control, or if it's, I don't know. Hmm. Anyways, um, I saw something on Twitter that there was a school that did a drill for a school shooting drill or an active shooter drill, whatever you call them nowadays. Mm -hmm. We just used to call them lockdown drills, didn't we? Yeah. I didn't think, I don't think they like were allowed to use or wanted to use, like, shooter. It was no, just called definitely. a lockdown. And it could have, could have been for any reason, but they usually made it as if it was, like, for a shooter. Yeah. But there was a school that was doing one of these drills, and they had actual, like, police and, and stuff come in to make it, to simulate a real drill. Right. And um, they had police officers shooting blanks. So sound the same sound of a gun. Yeah. And that kids didn't know that it was a drill. They didn't know it was a drill? As far as I understand, they didn't know that it was a drill. That's terrifying. Like, that's just going to give them the same trauma as if it was a real school shooting. Yeah. I don't understand. And how does that make them more prepared? I don't understand. I understand if you're testing, like, the local police department response to it or something. But what are what is a kid going to do differently? Mm. Like, it's not... There's nothing for the kid to do. It's not like a fire drill. No. Where the kids have to leave because they're... And, like... If there's a real fire, that's not going to make it... Like, I don't no. understand. Yeah, you would never set a real fire in a school to see how the kids would react in a fire drill. True. You ring the bell and you know where to go, So, but... I feel like this is the same thing. You say it's a lockdown drill or an active shooter drill or whatever, and the kids go and hide, but how does yeah. having real gunfire make a difference? Supposedly, it was supposed to make the kids more prepared for what it would sound like, but if that's, like, what we need to do in our school system now, yeah. is have kids think that their friends are getting shot in a different classroom to it's make them more prepared for their reality, like... I just can't can't deal with that. Gosh, you did bring this podcast. I warned down. you. Hmm. Okay, you got that off your chest. Yes. Um. So my good news is: Have you heard of the Players Tribune before? Mm-hmm. You have. I was getting ready for you to say no. Oh, then no. What is it? Don't peek. In what sport? The Players Tribune. You don't know Maybe what it not. is. It's a it's an online magazine. I thought it was a newspaper. Well, well, it's online only. I'm pretty okay, sure. Sorry, but anyways, I think it was. Um, I think Jeter may have started it. Uh, but basically, it's an online publication where all the stories are written by athletes, mostly okay. famous ones. Okay. Now I'm sure there's a lot of ghost writing that takes place, but like all the bylines are actual athletes. 
And so, like, the sports media world kind of hates it because they're like, oh, you need the big fat baseball writers in order to parse through these difficult things and get the the message out correctly. Yeah. And... Dude, the Bill Simmons is of the world. Is that your impression of him? That's what his voice sounds he's like. He's gone dark a little bit. Yeah, he's, uh... It's not doing much now. That was a sports reference. Yeah. And a joke. All in one. You never appreciate that. So I don't pay very much attention to to it as a news source just because a lot of the articles seem kind of generic. Like, here's what I do in the off season or here's a difficult time I had. But I did read this one from start to finish by Kevin Love, who is on the uh, Cavaliers now. Okay. Cleveland. Yes, correct. And so his story was called uh, Everyone is Going Through Something. And it was about... He experienced his first ever panic attack at, like, in the middle of a game okay. a couple months ago, like, for... Like, while he was on the field? Uh, well, it's basketball, so it's the court. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, he explained it. He had been having there. a really stressful week. He was going through a lot of issues with his family and stuff off the court. And he described how he had all these symptoms all of a sudden hit him at, like, halftime. And he came out in the second half and, like, could barely walk. And so he was, like, really embarrassed to be, like, talking about it, but... I guess he went to like a a sports therapist, which I'm not sure how that's really different than a normal person therapist. But anyways, I think they're just like specialized in like yeah. pressures of sports, like on um pitch. That's right. My favorite show. Yeah, she went to a sports therapist. True. There you go. So he talked about going to that for the first time, and how now he started to talk to more NBA players, and even like these big tough guys who you could never imagine, you know, having any sort of emotional thought or emotional issues. As the title says, everyone is going through something. So I thought that did connect well to our themes from last week and showed that perhaps the the thinking is changing. And like the idea that men aren't allowed to have emotions when like obviously they're still going to be stressed out about things and have anxiety and depression. Like, yeah. And this idea that they can't feel those emotions, especially if they're a sports guy or a tough guy or something. Yeah. And that's why I bought the entire Kevin Love collection from Banana Republic this week. Oh yeah, that's your excuse. Yeah. Well, it does connect very well to this week's topics as well. True. Um, was that your good news? Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Will you send me the piece so I can read it? Sure. And you can post it on our Twitter. What's our Twitter? At DDGetDown. Okay. Which I forgot to mention last week. Um, my good news is... Besides mm-hmm. so the awesome fire that I made. Well, it's a little bit dying if you're going to mm. rekindle that. Do you get it? Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my good news is comes from the Graham Norton show that we watched this week. Oh, yeah. Who was on that one? Um, Imelda Stanton. Right. Umbridge. Um, Umbridge. Amongst okay. many other things. Yeah, I would have never have known she did other things, but good for her. She's like a pretty well-known British, British actress. Star, yeah. um, she, it was her first time on the Graham Norton show somehow. And she brought him baked goods, like yeah. in her pocket, wrapped up. In, like, butcher's paper. Yeah, his joke was that it looked like drugs, which it did a little bit. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, just... A baked soda bread, here you go. Yeah, she just baked soda bread that morning mm. and brought it because he's Irish, I guess. Sure. I don't, it was so cute. Yeah. And it's, like, what I would do if I ever got famous enough to be on a talk show. I could mm-hmm. see myself, like, bringing cookies. That would be cute. So, I really liked it. It was adorable. Yeah. My other good news is um, Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. Um, you're making a face like you don't think he deserves well, it. No, I'm just... Uh, he just made me think back to Meryl Streep of these these stars who are... Not that they're milking it, but like the rest of the world is milking it for them. 
But Mark Hamill, it's, he like kind of disappeared for a little while. Yeah. He like did the Joker voice. Yeah, I guess stuff. that's what I'm saying is like, how long does his renaissance last? But before... he, I'm, I'm saying, I think his like hasn't gotten that old for me yet because like it only resurfaced like okay. two years ago. Like sure. I think like a couple years ago, nobody was like, oh, what's Mark Hamill up to these days? Yeah. It's only because he's been in the films. Okay. But he I'll just seems like a genuinely nice person. And he seems like one of those people that is properly embracing his fame mm-hmm. like he's not like oh don't talk to me about star wars i'm sick of it like he's just like yep yeah, i'm luke skywalker yeah and like um carrie fisher was the same way it was like don't bite the hand that feeds you kind of thing sure um and it's not that that's the only thing you can be but you have to accept that that's part of your identity at, at this point and so he had been deprived of a hollywood star so he just got a hollywood star wow um but i just think he seems like he deserves it as a person mm-hmm. and also i saw on twitter that um there was this exchange between Mark Hamill and a different actress. Like, Twitter a lot of times is just, like, I think it's most recently been described as a dumpster fire. Mm. Um, not only is it trash, it's, like, on fire. <laughs> so Twitter can sometimes be a bit of a downer place or a, bit of a place where everyone just yells at everyone else. And, like, if you look in the comments, you just feel depressed for the world. Yeah. And for humanity. But this was, like, it also facilitates some really nice moments. Um and yeah, Mark Hamill, someone asked him if he watched Superstore or like recommended it to him. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back that he never misses it and that he really enjoys it. Mm-hmm. And then Lauren Ash, I think is her name. She's the one who um, plays the kind of tough woman yeah. that we just saw um, mm-hmm. when we were watching that episode earlier. And she's also she was also on that show, The Fun Nights with Rebel Wilson. Oh, that went to air? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was like a sitcom and it was called like fun nights or something it was like rebel wilson and her yeah, friends yeah, yeah. And you did watch that for yeah a while. she was marika on that okay anyways um he wrote she wrote and was like oh my god like just was like losing her mind yeah. over the fact that like mark hamill watched her show he saw that and then wrote back this long thing about how he specifically likes her character and she does such a great job with it and she's such an amazing actress and oh. all of this and she just about lost her damn mind you love it when like b-list celebrities get yes, in touch with a-list celebrities they're like normal people yeah would you call that um, me being what? Uh, in touch with a really famous author on Twitter? And she called me. <laughs> I was name. wondering how you were going to work that in. <laughs> so check out Heather's mentions. Uh, what up, CS? Uh, we we thought, or I thought, I guess you know, in an alternate timeline, if Heather ever married CS Pacat and kept her maiden name, then they would become CS Lewis together. <laughs> Yes. It's an inside joke. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? I have some weird news. Is what okay. you want to say something else about Mark Hamill or about Twitter? Um, no, that's okay. It's just nice to be like a bystander to see people like having good moments happen to them, having their dreams come true. Sure. I'll allow Twitter. it, I guess. You're such a curmudgeon tonight. <laughs> Except about The Bachelor. What's happened oh to you? Oh my God. Um, do you want to know my weird news is? Sure. I'm going to do rapid fire weird news. Okay. Court Overstreet and Emma Watson are dating. I knew you were going to bring that one up so too. So strange. What's Court up to? I don't know. He's on the Lady Gang recently. Oh, I know what I was going to ask podcast. you. Was your review of, uh, what's your review of Darren Chris's uh, late night appearance this week? Oh, his British accent made me swoon. Mm. I have never heard his British accent before. I think he's been saving that for when he was actually famous. Yeah. And to like not waste it. On something else. Yeah. Because, damn. Yeah, it's odd. Both, he was on, 
what was he on Jimmy Kimmel the first time? I forget. Fallon. This was Fallon this, this time. Um, and both times, like people, like you can tell there are a lot of like Star Kid and uh, Harry Potter musical people there. Mm-hmm. And so they go crazy when he walks out and then they bring up Harry Potter and they go crazy. And then he tells these like kind of funny, quirky stories and he gets like crickets somewhat. Like that whole story he was telling about this lie that he kept up with this random acquaintance in his hometown. And people were like, hmm, that's cute. I thought it was actually pretty funny. It was really funny. Yeah. And his accent was so good. Maybe they were just like bowled over by his accent. You like think? speechless from his beautiful British accent. Well, in a few more weeks, we'll have probably have to dedicate a whole episode of this show to American was crime cute. story, which you are struggling with. I knew it was going to be too scary for me. Yeah. And it is too much for me, I think. And now I'm like a little bit scared of Darren. Yeah, you should be. Like, I, the first episode, I was struggling to not see it as Darren in, like, a weird 80s outfit. And when Jimmy Fallon asked him, how do you get into the character of a crazy serial killer? He was like, you just look for the good parts of the character. You try to humanize him. I think that was, like, his, like, 60-second soundbite of it. Because I, I listened to, like, a radio interview where he talks about it a lot more. Sure. But he talked about in something that he was kind of sick of people being like, how can you ever get into their mindset? Like, they're not yeah, an no. alien. Like, right. they're... No, I think it was a fair response. It's just he even had to catch himself where he was like, I'm not saying that, like, I empathize with them or anything overall. It's just you can draw out different human threads from it. Yeah, I think he's not um, necessarily used to the press junket of having to answer the same exact question every single time. Yeah, he does always seem a little bit, like, not really starstruck, but he is a little bit off, off guard on these shows. Well, I just feel like he is someone who tries to be genuine Mm -hmm. and I don't doesn't work in that town I don't know that he really likes to like tell the same canned stories and yeah so I think he's trying to say it a little bit differently every time yeah when they ask him the same question every single time I think he's trying to put a different like Graham Norton get him on wouldn't that be fun he would be great on Graham Norton because it's like long form get some wine in him yeah he's like long form he would be really good at that Okay. And you can tell the British accent story. There you go. Graham Norton, call him up. Setting things up. We're like his manager. That was not rapid fire. We're like his street team. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. So the other weird one, Joey Lawrence. From the Brothers Lawrence. Yes. Brotherly Love. Yes. Yeah. Filed for bankruptcy with his wife. Not surprised. (laughs) But that's not the Boy Meets World one. He must be going strong. No, the older brother. Jack on Boy Meets World, whatever. His Lawrence name was. Maybe he just quietly went into bankruptcy. Didn't have to declare <laughs> didn't it. Um, I declare bankruptcy. Is that a quote? It's from The Office. Okay. Oscar tells Michael he needs to declare bankruptcy, so he just says, <laughs> I declare bankruptcy really loudly. And Oscar's like, that didn't do anything. That's uh. not... He's like, but I declared it. <laughs> um, my last one is, have you heard anything about Santino Hassel? The publishing... You were so out of touch with the publishing world. Mm-hmm. So he... Is like a um, male male romance okay. writer. Yeah. Um, and there has is this huge scandal right now that like that author does not exist, and it's like oh, there's always one of these every year. He was basically being like cat, like everyone's being catfished by this couple that's just like made up this guy. Oh, and it's not just but, like a, it's not just like a pseudonym. Like they made up this entire online like history and persona of him you. and said he had cancer and people like donated to his, um, like 
GoFundMe thing okay. for like some liver cancer, and he made up this whole tragic backstory about how like the tough things he had to go through through his life and all of this. Yeah, that's more serious scam. Like, there's always an unknown author with a pen name. Like, there was this this important one in in Italy, I think, where they were all the literary elites were guessing who who it actually was. Or it's like Robert Galbraith, whatever. Sure, that was a fun one. Um, but yeah, if you're building an entire enterprise around a scam, then you're No, a there are, as situation. the kids say, there are receipts here. Like, Oof. you can... Follow the paper. Yeah, you can go back. Not not actual receipts, but people have, uh, like, screenshots and stuff of conversations on different forums mm -hmm. and um, just a lot of these little details that are coming out that are pretty creepy. Let's get our pitchforks. Um, so yeah, that was a weird news as well. Hmm. Okay. Should we do a quick note from our sponsor? Yeah, who do we got? If you'd like to look up what books Santino Hassel has written, yep. um, you can go to bookdigits.com, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S.com, mm -hmm. and you can search for books. You can keep track of your to-read list, make ratings. If you're a failed author out there, we love, we like you, Don't we love you, a struggling author. Yes. We have advertising opportunities within the site at heavily discounted rates. Um, I think that we, we could even like make a deal like if you review and share our podcast. We could do a little quid pro quo. Yeah. Yeah. Get in touch and we'll, we'll work something out. So hit us up. Book digits. Okay. Um, do you want to do the book first, I guess, since I just talked Let's about Let's talk book? about books. All right. Let's talk about books, baby. I like that. Are we switching? You cannot put those two ones together. <laughs> um. So we're going. We're digging into the young adult classics here. The classics upper, is a the upper word. echelon. It's like been only a couple of years. One of the only young adult books I've ever reread. That means something. All right. That's an mm -hmm. award. Mm-hmm. Um. So we are talking about Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. Is Rainbow Rowell our our first repeat? podcast author Ooh, possibly we did fangirl right we did fangirl and mm -hmm. i'm gonna make you do carry on sometime but we'll wait a while on yeah that. i'm not mentally ready for that um so yeah maybe our first repeat mm -hmm. um you were shocked to learn that omaha where she is from is like not a very far drive from here no true like that comes hours. into play in the uh so if the she climax ever wants to be a guest on our podcast mm -hmm. close personal friend we could teach a girl ice skating let us know rainbow Rowell. you're welcome anytime mm -hmm. in our home so, do you want to give the summary, or do you want me to give the <sighs> summary? Eleanor and Park. Yes. Uh, okay. So, it's a high school novel. Mm-hmm. What grade are they in? Sophomores, juniors. They talk about the prom a little bit, so it might be junior. Anyhow, it takes place in Nebraska, as we already alluded to. And the two characters start off not knowing each other at all. And not necessarily liking each other. or No. So... Park, I guess, is the more simple character to describe. I love Park. Park is adorable. He's terrific. So Park is half Korean, Korean yes, and half American. Half Caucasian. Yeah. And he comes from kind of like an upper middle class family. They solid well middle. off. Yeah. No, solidly oh. middle class. They're in a crappy neighborhood. That's the whole point. Oh, but they they're like the nicest house in the crappy neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. But they're in a kind of crappy neighborhood. They're like townies. Okay. That's fair. Um, so he lives in kind of a nuclear family with his brother and his mother and his father. And his grandparents live next door. Next door, yeah. And 
We're in, let's set the the time situation 90s. here. 80s, I assume. 80s? I think it's 80s. Heather's going to check with her autographed edition. I thought it was 90s. Which I'll tell my little joke here because so my You're wife... Right. 86. 86. So my wife came home from... We've already talked about this in the podcast. Her bookstore. We did? Yes. Okay. You can say it again. I'll, I'll, I won't subject the people to that. So... Um, Park is kind of like a typical, like, nerdy kid, and because this is the 80s, like, nerdy was a little bit risque at that but point. But he's kind of like nerdy punk. Yes, he's nerdy punk, that's true. So he loves he's music, not, like, but he also... Nerd. No, he's he like loves... music nerd. Right, he's not gamer, he's music and comic books, though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much his deal. He does Taekwondo, so he's got a little athletic... Athletic side to him. He has some annoying friends, but no real girl interest right now. Although yeah. he does have a little bit of a history. With Tina. From middle school. So that's Park. Half of the book, as you could guess yeah. from the title. And Park. Do you want to describe Eleanor then? I suppose. So Eleanor is um, new to the town. Yes. And she doesn't fit in very well. Her family is very poor and kind of a really bad living situation with the stepdad and right. all of her siblings, all four of her, her plus her three siblings all sleep in the same bedroom. Mm -hmm. um, and she moves back in with her family because she had been somewhere else before. Moves back with her family after she got kicked out. She got right. kicked out. It takes out. a little while to get a grasp of the order of events, but... So her parents separated. When she was little. Right. And she stayed with the terrible stepfather and the mom for a while. But then she got kicked out of that house and stayed with... With like a neighbor. Yeah. And then felt like she was imposing there. So then she ended up back with... So back with her family, yeah. but in a new school. Correct. And she is described as being a little bit overweight. Mm -hmm. She has red frizzy hair mm -hmm. and like... Doesn't have any nice clothes or doesn't wear makeup or anything like that. And can't like wash that. her clothes either, which is an issue. Um, and yeah, as aforementioned, bad living situation. So she obviously is a target to get picked on, to get bullied. Sure. And Park kind of takes pity on her the first day. More out of uh, avoiding a social situation yeah. than out of the kindness of his own heart. But So the best scenes of the book, I think, are probably the bus, the bus. scenes. Yeah. Which is where it kind of starts and their romance buds. So um, he... He and Eleanor live, like, down the street from each other in the mm -hmm. same neighborhood. So they're on the same bus along with some asshole neighborhood kids. Of course. And, um, the yeah, street so youths. they start sharing comic books and sharing music on the bus since mm -hmm. they have the whole ride together. And, um, yeah, kind of blossoms from there. But a lot of the social stigmas and kind of shitty family situation and um, school situation uh, becomes a problem or continues to be a problem, I suppose, in their right. relationship. So, so yeah, we want to dig more into the plot. Sure. So, I guess I should say, too, it's, if it's not obvious by the song title, the song title, by <laughs> the book title, it's alternating points of view. Right, that's so, true. So, one chapter from Eleanor, one chapter from Park, sometimes switching mid-chapter, mm -hmm. which I have said before on record that I don't like. I think it can mm -hmm. be a little bit lazy, but I thought, I think it works for this book. I didn't, I never found it distracting or detracting mm -hmm. um, in this book, so the way that it switches. And I always compare this book to John Green's Fault in Our Stars. That book doesn't do that, though, does it? 
No, it's all it's from, all from her perspective. But that's the point in that book is that it's all from her perspective. So like the secret, like right, right, right. you don't know what she doesn't know. So yeah, um, I think I probably liked Park's perspective more. I mean, my biggest issue with the book overall is just Eleanor's storyline and her background and her history. Her whole situation is just so depressing. She has so little positive going it's for her. It's just very bleak. Bleak, yeah. Like, it's right hard word. to read sometimes because it doesn't seem like there's a, a way out or a, a good solution the end, for yeah. her. Like, she doesn't... She has so few, like, happy things going on in her, her life that... The, the ones that she does have, you're just like kind of waiting, like along with her, waiting for it to be ripped away or for it to be right. ruined. Especially with Park. You're like, oh, yeah. wow, they're sort of getting happy, but... There's no way this can last. They have a few kind of like small, typical teenager fights. Like there's a lot of tension when she goes over to his house because obviously his family is unlike, you know, a lot... Well, it's like a lot more put together than her family. Yeah, and then a lot of pressure of like the... Her not fitting in at school and him kind sure. of not necessarily fitting in that well either whereas he just kind of skated along before but she uh forces him to kind of confront some issues that he's having at school and stuff um and his he has his own set of family drama that in contrast with Eleanor's isn't as bad but kind of like what you just said everyone's dealing with something mm -hmm. like just because he doesn't have an abusive stepfather doesn't mean his family life is perfect like yeah yeah I really like the the the, the look that you get at his, the inner workings of his parents and stuff, because they do have kind of an interesting dynamic. The mom is an immigrant from Korea who the father basically brought back from his time in the war. Yeah. Um, and so they're kind of first presented at the beginning as like all American, like can do no wrong parents, but they each falter at different times with the kids and but the best thing about them is like they don't falter like as a family like mm -hmm. individually they make mistakes in how they handle things but yeah. it always shows the them working it out within each other to do what's best for the kids true and i really like that mm -hmm. you know you're getting old and you start relating a lot with the parents Ugh. from books and shows because we've been re-watching boy meets world yeah. and like one of the things I'm enjoying the most is, like, the parents, like, one-liners and their interactions. You have to sell out your friend. We're poor. <laughs> um, yeah, some of the best lines have come from the parents. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm getting old. Right. Anyways, um, so I do like Park's parents. Mm -hmm. um, Eleanor's mom and stepdad and, and her real biological father are a little bit one-dimensional. Yeah, the, uh, the stepfather, I mean, he's presented as... An abuser, both physically and verbally and emotionally, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't... I know he's kind of on a power trip, but beyond that, I don't really get him. Like, he just seems to get off on being angry. Like, he doesn't want people to walk into the room that he's in. He doesn't want anyone to make any noise at any time. He's just like a dictator for the sake of being a dictator, which, yeah. yeah that's just his character. It's, yeah. not, it's not actually... Uh, like bad or good writing or anything like that sure. he's just a one-dimensional character yeah. and even her mom is a little bit you don't get too much of her backstory but her mom's just kind of like a fallen yeah. character a little bit it's like she um i guess her and her mom have that in common actually not that she wants to see that but it's just kind of being resigned a little bit right. to their situation and i spent most of the book like waiting and hoping for eleanor's actual father to like step up to the plate and like mm -hmm. come through she really only has one minor scene with him when she goes over to babysit for his new kid. Yeah. Or his new stepkid or whatever. And even that's disappointing. 
Right. And so there's plenty of opportunities for her to try to lean on him and him to try to return. But that's the point. Nobody's going to rescue her. And that's why it's Mm. so desolate to read about her because she doesn't have anyone to rescue her. And the only one who cares enough about her individually is Park. And he is also only 16 or whatever. Right. And then she starts to push him away because, gosh, I don't even know why. Because she doesn't want to lose him. She knows she's going to lose him. And she's worried that like the deeper she gets into it, the harder it is going to be to let him go. We had this discussion at um, our, book, our club. book club, and I was having the same argument of that, like, uh, spoilers here, I guess, if you haven't read it, because if you haven't gathered already, this is one of our favorite young adult books, mm-hmm. um, jointly and individually. Um, so I definitely think you should read it if you haven't already. So spoilers ahead if you haven't read it yet, but the end is... Um, a bit ambiguous and not... A bit traumatizing. A bit traumatizing. Not very uh, happy. Park drives through the night when he's a terrible driver. Real spoilers. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. To get her out of the terrible situation and get her to safety, drives her all the way to St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And... There's that Boy Meets mm-hmm. World Tori Napanga situation where like, yeah. she, where like he looks back and she's not looking back and then she goes to look back and he's not looking. Yeah. Um, that was on the reread. That was like the most devastating part for me that like she went to ask him to stay and he had already left because he was waiting for her to ask. So, so many feelings. Very ambiguous in the end. And it doesn't just end like that, like, which I appreciate. It gives you a little bit more of, um, like an epilogue almost of what, what happens. And, um. It's not ambiguous. I know you think it's ambiguous. It's not. It is. So it. The last thing, huge spoiler, the, <laughs> the very end of the book ends with, after months of no contact from her, yes. he gets a postcard from her, and it just, and uh, the author just writes, it's, it only had three words. Yeah. So it's a plot point kind of in the book that Park is like all in and says, I love you, and is right. very much like in the relationship, and she won't do that because she sees no way out, of, no positive way forward with her situation and doesn't kind of want to drag Park down or doesn't want to get involved too deep when she knows she can't keep it permanently. Yeah. And um, I don't think it's that I love you. It absolutely is. See, I think that I think that I love you can be... Uh, it can be a sad thing. I love you I and think, I'm still letting you go. I think I love you could just be like a... I still love you, but I'm not going to fix anything. I think I miss you would yeah. be better because I love you can just be like, I love you from afar. Like, I just needed you to know that I love you now that I'm moving mm. on. Like, I feel like I miss you conveys a little bit more of like, um, of a current situation. Right. Like she wants to pick things up or like, come visit me. Three words. Come sure. visit me. Or okay. I, yeah, I guess I'll, like, I'll be back. We're not really or disagreeing. Then. I'll call you. I just meant it wasn't ambiguous in the sense that you don't know whether or not. Oh no no no! I think it, the the way it's they have off a is chance. If you see her, you see her mental state a little bit of it. So I don't think she would have contacted him just for shits and giggles. Like I think yeah. if she was, she loves him enough that she would have just let him get over it if she wasn't gonna try and do anything with it. Yeah. And I think from his reaction, the little bit of you get it has to be something positive. But people just tend to think that it's I love you, and I don't. I don't think it is. Yeah, so it's certainly like a, f- a fresh um, take on the young adult genre and the high school novel. Like there's 
some scenes in school, but like the whole book doesn't really revolve around the school year, or there's Most no of it's like on the bus, honestly. Yeah. Besides a couple different classes and some studying and things. Yeah, like that. and there's no like, oh, who's, no who are you gonna no take musical. to the dance, or what's gonna happen to us when we go off to college? Like, there's like some real world shit going on, which I was gonna say it's supersedes almost, everything else. It's almost more of like the high school is a little bit more of a backdrop, or right. just they're giving giving you a setting for their characters but the problems are not high school problems yeah. the problems are like family and socioeconomical and and whatever kind of problems mm -hmm. um the other thing that i wanted to mention too is that like i think even though you're getting both perspectives they there is a little bit of a sucker punch at the end of something that the reader didn't know even though they were seeing it from both perspectives mm -hmm. so spoiler again here but you have um it turns out that Eleanor is a little bit of an unreliable narrator because she has been trying to push something out of her mind so much that even the reader doesn't get to see it. Right. And that's that her stepfather is not only like a bad dude in terms of like abusing her mom and being a drunk and mm -hmm. stuff like that, but that he's been making a lot of really awful sexual harassment towards her as well. Mm -hmm. And you don't really see that or get confirmation of that until the very end when things get very, very bad. Everything kind of... Yeah, she has to confront that peak. part of it. Um, she also has to confront that part of it. It's a little bit like, for the reader, you kind of think, wow, what a shitty situation. It can't get much worse than what it already is. Mm. And then it does. Yeah, and think about the little kids who have to stay in that house and the mom who didn't get free. Well, that's what she was saying, too, though. Like, her little sister is going to be old enough soon to be having to deal with that, too. Yeah. But, I mean, thankfully, she does the safe and smart thing and gets herself out because she can't help them if she can't help herself. But, um, yeah, so there is a little bit of, um, something at the end that you were mm -hmm. missing the whole time. Right. Or that was being concealed from the reader the whole time. That's true. Even though you get both perspectives of it. <sighs> okay. So definitely read that. Highly recommended. Yep. Um... Did you, you, like it did you like it better than Fault in Our Stars? Oh, I thought you could say, did you like it better than Fangirl? Um, <sighs> I liked it as a book more than Fangirl, but I liked reading Fangirl better. Does you that make sense? You reading Fangirl? Yeah. I would say that they both are nice in that they are about real world problems set in a high school or set in a college. Mm -hmm. Like even the college one, the problems are a lot more about her family and her anxiety and stuff like that. It's not... It's not just a college book. Yeah. Anyways, did I like it better than Fault in Our Stars? Um, I think I liked like the writing better or the narration style a little bit better because I know you have the complaint of John Green books that like high schoolers Oof. don't talk like that. Yeah. I think John Green in The Fault in Our Stars packs a little bit more of an emotional punch, like literally like crying, sobbing, reading it. Okay. Whereas more Eleanor Park... More of a tearjerker. It's more of a tearjerker. Yeah. Um, Eleanor and Park is, I think I like the characters a little bit more, and I, I think I enjoyed the, I think I enjoy Rainbow Rowell's writing style more than John Green's, mm -hmm. but you can't compete with the Fault in Our Stars in terms of emotional drama. How come? How come Rainbow Rowell can't buy a can't buy a film deal anywhere? What's what's happening? I don't know. I'd love to see Eleanor. Love Parker. Simon came out. I mean, Simon and the Homo Sapien Agenda came out what a year ago, two years oh, ago. I can't wait to see that movie. We have to get our tickets. Yeah, I don't know. She's like one of the top young adult authors, huh? I don't know. 
Well, since we're talking about film and TV adaptations, mm-hmm. that feed Mary, that feeds into what we're going to talk about. Yeah. We're going to talk about something British. Rachel. Do you want to do an impression of Darren Chris doing an impression of a British accent? Definitely not. You know I don't have a British accent to save my life. Governor? Don't say shine my shoes. Um, Mm. We are talking about My Mad Fat Diary. Yes. Which a lot of you probably haven't heard of. Well, I won't say a lot of you. There's probably not a lot of you listening. The percentage of you, high percentage (laughs) of you, probably have not necessarily heard of. Yeah. It is a... I assume it's a British show. It's a British show. Okay. But it wasn't even on, like, BBC. No? It was on... No, it was on, like, Mad TV or... Okay. Like, a really... So it's Basically, like, like hip, being on yeah. FX or right. something like that. So it was on, like, a... Alternative kind alternative of channel. British channel. You um, might need subtitles if you struggle with <laughs> countries, countryside British accents. I was going to say, it's not a London accent. No. It's a very... I Lincolnshire. Don't know what they call it, but yeah, Lincolnshire. Um, the bogan or <laughs> equivalent. Yes. So it's um I watched it um questionably legally when it was originally on. Who clued you in on it? How did you find out about it? Um one of my British Harry Potter friends, Emily. Okay. She was well, I think it was her. Hmm. She was watching it and talking about it. And some of the other people um in that group were talking about it too. So it's a few years old now for sure. Uh, I think it said 2013. 2013, yeah. So five years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the first season. So we're just going to be talking about the first season today. Yes. Because we just finished watching the first season. Which on Hulu is split up into only six episodes. I, yeah, I, I thought I watched it half in and half. smaller parts. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so the first season only has six episodes. So if you are interested in um, kind of a good gritty teen show mm-hmm. um, with interesting accents. This is like an easy one to just kind of blow through. Yeah. Um, so the first episode is, the first season is six episodes. There's three seasons total. Mm-hmm. So we've just watched the first one. Um, so do you want to give a summary? You did the last summary. Sure. I'll do okay. the summary. I'll help out. So it focuses on a girl named Ray Earl or Rachel Earl. Mm-hmm. And it is based on a real book. Yes. What did you say it was called? Uh, the words were flipped around. My so it was teenage... my fat, my teenage fat mad teenage diary, something like that. I said my fat teenage crazy diary or something, something. like that. Anyways, so the real name of the show is My Mad Fat Diary. Mm-hmm. And it centers on this girl who has just gotten out of an inpatient rehab facility for self-harm. Self-harm, yeah. But also for binge eating. Yeah. That was kind of a wrapped up with the self-harm and with... Um, destructive thoughts and, mm-hmm. and destruct uh, self-harm right. issues that she was having. So I guess a trigger warning for that if you um, are sensitive to talks of self-harm or binge eating or anorexia, anything like that, we will be talking about that a little bit with this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has just gotten out of an inpatient rehab facility and her mom picks her up and she runs into an old friend of hers. Yeah, um, Chloe. Chloe who does not know that she's been in hospital. Apparently her mom <sighs> told everyone that she was like holidaying in France for the last three months <laughs> or whatever. Cause it was over like end of spring and into summer break. Right. Um, so she ends up hanging out with this old friend of hers, like a childhood friend and, and her group of new Chloe friends. has right. Gathered a new, um, group of friends. And you don't really get into it in this gang. in this season. 
but in the later seasons they do go back to school so yeah that was one of my comments school. on these six episodes is that you can't quite follow like the timeline of where they are in the year and, and there's and stuff. right 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 they talk about college a little bit but it doesn't seem like they've graduated yet but they're drinking constantly is the most important part well the drinking age in the uk is yeah. 18 right but I don't think they're meant to be 18. No. I think they're meant to be 16 or 17. Yeah. Um, as you get into it a little bit later, they're in like secondary school, like the second half of high school, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, so there's kind of like four four settings for the show. Yeah. You have Ray at home mm -hmm. with her mom, who is the most fabulous <laughs> character of all, and her Tunisian lover, Once who's again, in the country <laughs> illegally. You have Ray and the gang, mm -hmm. which is Chloe and is, is Chop, a, Choppa, a Chop. Uh, and Finn. Finn, and Archie, Archie, Archie. So three girls, three guys. Yeah. Then you have uh, Ray at her therapist slash hospital. That's the same. It's all the same. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying, in terms of the scenes that are set up, it's usually. But she goes to visit her friends at the True. hospital, which right. is all within the therapist. What's the therapist's name? Fester, Kester, Kester, and then you have Ray and Tix, who is uh, her like best friend from, from the hospital, within the ward, who is suffering from anorexia and eating disorders. Correct. Yep. Um, that's that was three settings, not four. Yeah. Well, I was counting the therapy scenes as different. I know. That's why I was trying to thank you. Them into one. Good team. So yeah, we have the pub with the friends. Mm -hmm. We have Ray's house with her mom, and then we have the hospital and her hospital friends and her therapy. Yeah, ongoing outpatient therapy at the same hospital. Um, so a lot of it centers on her kind of reintroduction to real life, right? Because she's been dealing with these problems in the bubble setting of being in an inpatient rehab facility. So she now has to continue dealing with all these mental issues that she's been having but with a lot of outside world problems too. She can't just focus on those problems and nothing else because she has to deal right. with her, dealing with her mom and her new lover <laughs> and that situation. She has to deal with the new friend situation and deal boy with a lot of her stuff. boy stuff oh, boy. and deal with a lot of her anxiety in a heightened situation. Sure. So, and a lot happens in the episodes and a lot happens right. in the first season. It's only six episodes, but it's it's jam-packed. Yeah, so you definitely won't be, like, there's no lulls in it, but looking back on it, it's just a little too much. I don't think so, though. It's meant to just be six weeks of summer vacation. I think each episode is meant to be a week. Yeah, and I think that's too sessions. much that go like, to go on. But that's real life. Uh, certain bits, yes, I could see, but just week after week to have all that happen. But I think too. the point is that's what it feels like to her. Yeah. Like, just for someone with anxiety, it feels like a lot more yeah. than, like, you get into a lot of her mental state and her, yeah. her, uh, it, her take on all of these no, things. No, I get that. Monologue. There were just two, two pieces of it that kind of lost me a little bit, so... She jumps between love interests so quickly, which I know is she's apt to do as a teenager. Yeah. A, a very horny teenager. <laughs> There's a lot of foul mouth language in this show. But he laughs a lot at it. Oh, it's a hilarious comedy. And the um, way that she, like, her um, voice, and the yeah. way that she describes things, like the, the phrasing. I'm going to do a sex crime to him. <laughs> the phrasing that she uses is yeah. just so funny. Right, which I'm sure so a lot is pulled out of the book. So yeah. I'm sure the book would be funny to read, too. And it's all set in the 90s, so, like, you're not dealing with 
stupid pop culture references. Although you do have to deal with Oasis. a ton of Oasis <laughs> references. So much constantly. Oasis. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the boys, like, I got mildly emotionally invested in Archie in, in episode one because he's the first love interest. Yeah. And spoiler alert, by the end of episode one, he is a homosexual. He was the whole time. He I just know, didn't know. But anyways, I got invested in that one. And then there is also a pregnancy and abortion storyline yeah, that's that all compressed really in 45 minutes. Yeah. Which... With a teacher, which they just over... Yes. Yeah. So I think that could have been like an amazing like plot to, to investigate throughout yeah a whole season and i was just waiting for it to turn out to be like just a pregnancy scare but it's like nope they covered you know um okay. non you know uh, a relationship you know with a huge age gap um compromising with a uh, with uh someone from a school and pregnancy and abortion all in 45 minutes yeah it was i guess it was a little bit condensed yeah um and then you get to Finn. Yes. So she eventually Finn. she eventually focuses in on her. She has a few adult crushes, which are the funniest ones. And then <laughs> she settles in on one one boy crush. Well, I think um, I think a little bit of it. I agree with you that it's a little bit condensed, and I don't know what the backstory was of were they only allowed six episodes? Sure, and they, they wanted just had to, to jam pack it, it yeah. or what? But um, I think a little bit of it has to do that she, like, literally has not been out of hospital for, like, three months or however long it's supposed to be, a month or yeah. whatever. So I think it's just when she gets out of the hospital, it's just, like, overload. Like, she kind of just, the first boy that's nice to her, yeah. she, like, latches onto and, like, feels all this pressure to have some sort of dating experience that she's missed out on or jump into romance or something. Yeah. Like, I think when, when she actually settles a little bit... The mm -hmm. next guy that she Settles has a crush on, it's because they actually have a lot. In a little common. more genuine. Yeah, like it's more genuine. Like once they get over kind of a bad first impression, yeah. they actually do get along really well and have a good sense, same sense of humor, same sense of music. Like, yeah. no, seeing the friendships kind of develop in that group kind of mesh. When at first, you know, in the first episode, I saw them and I'm like, these are trashy. Um, you know. Well, I think that's part of the joke. Suburban Lincolnshire is meant to be a bit yeah. trashy, right? But then they're all, most of them are lovable by the yeah, end. Yeah, even Choppa. Even Choppa. Um, so yeah, I, I'm okay with the jumping around between the, the love interests, but once she starts getting, not necessarily seeking out relationship advice, but other people thrust it upon her, it falls into a, a few like sitcom-y tropes of like, oh, just pretend you don't like the boy and everything will work out great. Yeah, but I also felt like it doesn't bother me that much. I feel like it bothers me more when it shows like Gossip Girl or something or these like really heightened drama shows where the whole plot hinges on someone not telling someone something else. Yeah. And in this show, you see her actively trying to tell the truth and to take the most honest route and be genuine. Mm -hmm. And these forces like of people around her, her friends and her mom and, and whatever kind of um interfering with that mm -hmm. so it's a little i thought it was a little bit of an interesting take on it because it's not that she's trying to conceal things it a lot of like the secrets come out um in ways that she doesn't necessarily want them to sure but she has this motive of trying to tell the truth and be truthful and a lot of the sixth episode like the the longest character arc or the longest plot arc mm -hmm. really hinges on her telling her new friends about where she actually was right um, and t being open with them about her issues that she's had with depression and um, self-harm. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought that part was very, uh, I don't know, very well done or very mm -hmm. realistic because it's, it's something that is really hard to talk about and you want to be honest with people about it, but at the same time, you don't want them to look at you differently or you don't... Yeah want to have to have it brought up all the time like she wants to a lot of it has to do with her wanting to feel normal mm -hmm. and not want to have to talk about being sick all the time right but at the same time feeling like she's lying or not being honest to her friends and she's seems like a person who really values honesty yeah so it's this this conflict of how do i be honest with these people that i'm now friends with without becoming that becoming my only personality trait or yeah. without them focusing on it all the time well, it's an amazing show because it, it is a comedy kind of at heart, but it's talking about depression and eating disorders and family issues and friend issues and boy issues. And all those things combined shouldn't work and shouldn't be funny, but yet it is. Yeah, and it's, there, it's dare I say, British humor. Yeah, it's I didn't... It's kind of like hmm. a dark or wry humor. Yeah, okay. Like, it's not like a lighthearted romp. Like, no. it's very dark, kind of gritty humor. Like, she's obviously using humor as a coping mechanism. Sure. But also, she's just a funny person. Right, and that's what I appreciate is that I feel like when you see the commercials on TV for the depression medication, which say, you know, side effects in include depression and suicidal thoughts, um... You know, the people they show are the ones who say, I can't get out of bed in the morning. I just walk through the day in a haze, which, you know, some people suffering from depression probably are that bad. But there are also people who suffer for it, from it who are funny and, you know, can get through the day in different ways. And, but that doesn't mean that they're they're cured or anything. It right. just is a another facet of their life, I guess. And that's quite a big conversation in the show, too, is that just because you're out of hospital does not mean you're cured. It's right. not a black and white. It's not now you're better, nothing will ever go wrong again. And that's what Ray has to deal with in a lot of the show is um, she kind of wants to feel like she's fixed, she's cured, she can forget about her issues and not yeah. to talk about it. And obviously it's something that you have to work on. It's a, like, it's a practice. Yeah. Um, and that's something that she struggles with. Um, and so I latched on to it early on because I have a challenging history with food right. myself. Um, and so the food element actually kind of gets downplayed as the season goes on. Season two um, comes back. Okay. Into it. But I definitely could sympathize with her in terms of, you know, she had certain areas of the house and certain cupboards that triggered her for bad experiences or when she had a bad day, she would run to food as the only thing that would make her feel better. And she kind of um, had these like spiraling type episodes right. where like she would just get so overwhelmed or so worked up about something and mm -hmm. like the only, she would she would fall back kind of on that method of using food as coping. Yeah. And her mother, again, best part of the show, um, doesn't really help with it. But two of the biggest laughs I got were her mother this tries out meal. tries out different diets on occasion, and the best one, yeah, is she just goes like on one, I think. on bone broth for a week, <laughs> and yeah, she's holding up this disgusting little soup and says, "This is my only meal. <laughs> just have to get to tomorrow." And once again, it's not funny, no, but it's played as it's played for laughs, and it's um, it's very funny to watch. Yeah. What was the other your other biggest laugh? Oh, no, yeah. The very first episode, she was doing the ABC diet. Oh, yeah. And they asked her what that is. And I assumed it was bananas, apples, and 
something else that I've heard ABC, but no, she was, each day she was eating only foods that started with that letter, which is obviously the most absurd thing ever. And you also have a a bit of a history of of diet, picking different diet for a short period of time too. Yeah, never quite that crazy. No, no, no. Um, And I think they obviously purposely picked crazy ones. It's no fun to just be like, I'm on the low carb diet. They picked ridiculous ones. But um, yeah, and I definitely related to it in terms of like whether or not to talk to people about like the anxiety and depression issues that she was having. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that's hard to talk about. And I've been trying to talk about it a little bit more because Mm -hmm. I have been having some bad anxiety lately with our move and stuff Mm -hmm. but it is really hard to talk about i mean it's hard to talk about right now to an empty computer screen sure like never mind bringing it up to people in your daily life because you don't you don't want to be seen as someone that is sick or someone that's suffering or that's what i was gonna say people always say oh are you okay today like you don't want that right reaction so the character of chloe who is sort of the best friend even though they have grown apart but they were childhood best friends yeah and she's kind of the foil Right. And so Chloe is the first one to find out that Ray's been kind of hiding a lot of this stuff. And she is the one who says, no, Ray, keep this to yourself. You know, you don't want to tell everyone that. And, you know, obviously it's painted that way as, you know, Chloe is kind of also a destructive force in Ray's life. But there is something to that that, yeah, you don't want to be seen as a sad, pathetic person that people... That's going to be your only defining trait from now on. Right. And you don't want, especially since the, if it's newer people, if it's someone that you've known for a long time and you you know that you can trust them with that, that's one thing. But to have to like continuously, every new person that you meet, try and decide whether or not to talk about it or to bring it up. When when little things come up in conversation, do you, do you segue into that or do you ignore it? Or if people say, how are you doing? Do you say... I'm fine, or do you say actually I've been having a really tough right. day? You like, have to find a balance between telling the truth and not, you know, being a downer all the time, sucking the air out of everything. Because right. yeah, you can put a burden on other people, you know, if they then feel responsible to. It's not even a responsibility. It's just hmm. more like, do you want every single person always being like, "How are you doing today?" Right. Like, do you want people feeling like they need to like check up on you and pity you yeah. all the time? Because sometimes you don't need the reminder that you have that sometimes you just want to feel normal and just have a normal day without but to be honest the way that the show goes in the two-part finale she did need someone a little bit closer because she she's all on her own right and that's part of the problem that's part of what spiraled Hmm. her in the first place when she has her first episode that leads her to be in in hospital is that she feel like she didn't have anyone to turn to. So it's this balance of you need to have people that you trust that that know about what's going on and that you can be honest with, but you also don't necessarily want to tell every single person you meet on the street of what you're dealing with. True. So, and I mean, it ends, I guess a little bit of a spoiler here, but it ends up with her doing the very brave thing and, and telling people, mm-hmm. um, telling everyone very publicly. And um, you don't get to see too, too much of the fallout from it. Okay. Um, I mean, in this episode. Right. Um, but in later seasons, you see a little bit more, I guess. Um, she also gets hit by a car, spoiler alert, and bounces back and ends up at a wedding a few hours later. So that was just another example of the the story kind of chugging along a little too quick for yeah, my... Yeah, that day. A lot goes on in that happens. single day. She murders birds in the, mur- in the morning. Uh, and yeah, a lot of shows... She didn't murder the birds. She left them out and they got eaten. Yeah, got that. Um, but yeah, a lot of shows will like end a season or at least an episode with like a, 
a car accident like that's kind of a trope and this yeah. it's in the middle of the episode and it just like, continues you think on that's going to be the climax yeah. and that's actually like the less the a least minor exciting point, thing yeah. that happens that day um so obviously with her when she's dealing with a lot of this depression and um self uh, body image issues and, mm-hmm. and self-esteem issues you definitely get her very narrow perspective on things as well and that's something that over the course of it, it's a little bit hard to listen to or hard to watch sometimes. Just her be so negative and berate on herself and say, nobody could ever like me and all this stuff. But well, I was it's just realistic. baffled that you were able to sit through this show willingly because you struggle so much with secondhand embarrassment, as yes, we call I it. I have such a hard time with like shows like The Office yeah. with Michael Scott like doing stupid shit. I can't even watch it. It makes me right. feel like gives me like hives like and this one you can just sense in each episode like this is not going to go well like there's talk of a pool party this is going to be terrible they're going to a concert or to a party this is going to be terrible yeah um i think it's the tone though it's not like like we said it's not played for like slapstick laughs for the most part right it's it has this very dry kind of sarcastic tone mm-hmm. that I think is a bit more palatable for me. Okay. And it makes it, obviously there are some times that I'm just like, oh my God, I can't watch this part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It didn't bother me as much as you seem to think it would. Okay. I've we- also already seen it, which helps. Yeah. Because I, a couple times I was like, oh shit, I know what's going to happen now. So who are your top characters? Um, I really like Tixie Tix. Yeah. The anorex, the friend with anorexia. Yeah. Um, I really like Finn. I know you don't get yeah. to see too much of him in this season, but he's so sweet he's and he's pretty cute. He defends her early on in the show. He too. does, even when like they're not really friends. He defends mm. her. Um, Raimundo. So, and I like Archie. So I really want to like Archie, but he has a little sketchy tendency to spy on. Other men in the shower. Yeah, that was kind of like their the show's way of showing that he was <laughs> gay without having him admit, like catching him being gay. I guess. Yeah. But that yeah, that was a little bit of a little bit problematic because there is kind of a a bad societal um, trait of trying to portray gay people as all being like sick um, perverts, right? Like of of conflating being gay and being a pervert yeah and they and, do come back and kind of make it a slapstick joke where she's like i saw you doing that and he's like oh it was only one time and then they go back and forth a bunch of times she's like okay it was about a dozen times it's like Ugh. yeah so obviously it's one thing to have him trying to question his sexuality and figuring out a way to uh to decide if he's gay or not yeah um or to come to terms with sorry decide's the wrong word but come to terms with if he's gay or not mm-hmm. but they do show it in a bit of a illegal (laughs) or or just unsettling way inappropriate inappropriate way yeah but you're right that is a little bit of a problematic character trait for (laughs) archie but i would say finn ticks archie okay would be my top ones and i really like ray too yeah i shouldn't discount her i would say maybe finn ray ticks archie okay um would be my top ones because i really do like ray she can be like a bit crude and a bit a bit much for yeah, me. Like, a I don't know if me. I would want to be friends with her. Yeah, that's one thing I kept going back to in the show is that I get why Chloe would feel a responsibility to, like, bring her into the group. But a few times I wanted to be just like, uh, Ray, you, sh- you should feel real lucky that, like, these people 
are accepting you even a little bit. Like, they don't need to. Like, they didn't need a sixth person in their group. No, but I think that's the point, is that you're seeing it from her perspective, where yeah. she is always doubting if she's cool enough or if that or, or if she's fun enough or if they like her mm -hmm. but from what we see of the friends like they don't want to go to things that she's not at and they yeah, like really true. they like buy her a ticket to something because they know that she'll like it and she'll be fun so i think you do get a skewed perspective on it because she is just always very self-conscious about right. if she fits in that's true so i think that if you go by like what the other characters say and do they really like her mm -hmm. um i was gonna say it's just i think it's lucky for chloe that that ray fit in so well mm -hmm. and it fits in with the group and i think that's a lot of the tension between them is they are very different people like they were friends when they were younger and don't have a ton in common really right at this point and i think that's a lot of the tension is there's this weird competition between the two of them and there's some tension over being kind of different people and only yeah. having their history as as the what's keeping them together at least right. in this season and I'll say the therapy scenes were actually really good. Like oh, Kester! I, yeah. Oh. He was your favorite and you forgot him. What does that mean? Kester's my favorite. Because... Kester, I'm, Finn, Ray, Tix, Archie. I mean, a lot of shows will, will show their protagonists, you know, talking to their psychologist or their therapist. And I feel like those storylines can often fall into tropes of like oh here's a breakthrough or here this is going to come into play later on like yeah. the person warned them or like the therapist is just only in those therapy scenes as like a like a talking couch basically not yeah, a, yeah. their own character exactly just a way to build out the depth of the main character yeah. but these were like really dynamic scenes and they got into a lot of these issues that we brought up here and Kester's a real person that yeah he shows drama. up in different parts of the show as well so i enjoyed that part as well are you gonna list your favorite characters well, Mama is definitely the best. <laughs> and actually, Kareem, the... Tunisian. The Tunisian lover actually grew on me as well. I assumed he was just going to be kind of a slapstick joke, but they actually develop him kind yeah. of in a rush. But yeah, he pops Words. out of a trunk at the very beginning, which is <laughs> kind of funny. I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, in terms of the gang, I I hated Chapa for a while, but he really grew on me towards I always the end. I like have a hard time understanding it at first. Is it Chuck? Is it Chomp? Right. Is it Chop? Do you know? Like you don't no know what idea. they're saying. Yeah, we didn't have the subtitles chop, on. Uh, and he has true British teeth. Um, yes. Yeah, but he's um, endearing. Are we going to continue with the show? Do you want to watch seasons two and three? I think so. It does. It does this take a lot out of me though so this is the first time i think i've seen you i know you're not like a binger of mm. tv in general yeah but this is the first time i've seen you be like i i, I don't think i can watch another one tonight just too much emotion yeah like, i think it was too... after the pregnancy abortion storyline where i was like yeah i can't watch I a whole other episode <laughs> and have it start up again but well i was just excited that it was on hulu when i saw that it was on there because yeah. I, I like i said watched it through slightly sketchy means on the internet the first time right um so i was excited that it's a little bit more mainstream i've been excited with hulu lately that they've had some weird foreign tv shows i was gonna say we'll give them a, a free advertisement here because you know every single day there's a new story about netflix launching another 20 like more shows which every time i see one of those stories it makes me less and less interested to go back because Maybe it's the fear of missing out or whatever it is. It's just like, I don't want to be inundated with that much content. And I know Hulu has plenty of originals on the way and their catalog is huge as well. But 
when I go to it on the television app, I don't feel overwhelmed at least. And like I feel overwhelmed with content in general because if there's always, have you seen this new show? Have you seen this movie? Have you like, there's just too much yeah. that people expect you to watch all the time and, and consume. But yeah, I've just been impressed with Hulu because some of the more obscure shows that I've wanted to watch like Japanese sports anime and mm -hmm. obscure British teen dramas, um, I've been able to like watch on Hulu. Good. So props to Hulu. All right. So what do you have upcoming then? Um, Netflix has a couple new shows. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> they are supposedly in talks to develop a Barack and Michelle Obama TV show. Yeah. I saw a lot of headlines. Didn't click any of them. I only want What does that even mean? If they're like hosting a talk show. I think Barack Obama was born to be a talk show host. Every single time he's been I on... think that's degrading. What? Oh, I just meant he's very natural at it. Okay. Yeah, saying he was saying he wasn't a good president that he should have been. Oh no, been no, no. <laughs> I just meant to, what I meant to say is that he's he's very natural. Sure. At um, every time I've seen him like on a talk show and stuff, or when he does like when he used to do the White House correspondence dinner yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. like he's just so natural. He has such good comedic timing. And he's charisma. very charming. Yeah, lots of charisma. So I think he would be very funny on like a interview style show. That's yeah. what I meant. Um, he was obviously a very good president. Mm -hmm. Um especially compared to our dumpster fire of a president now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to see that. I don't know that I really want like a life with Barack and Michelle kind of behind the scenes, like reality type thing. Mm -hmm. Like I eat that up, but I think it's a little bit um, degrading. I'm <laughs> like, I think they're better than that. Um, so I'd rather have it be more of like a discussion or an interview style show. Maybe the two of them interview people together or something. Cause they've got a really funny dynamic together. Okay. Um, the other one that Netflix is coming out is a baking show called Nailed It. Okay. And I just saw the trailer for it. It looks really funny. It's basically baking fails. Like every time you try to, <laughs> you look up something on the internet and you're like, I'm going to make that cool, like internet cake, uh, like unicorn cake. And then it comes out just looking like, yeah, super creepy. Um, so it's basically like they give the contestants a challenge of like, here's what you're supposed to make and here's your supplies. Uh -huh. And then they're all just horrible. So is this different than that like show Worst Cooks in America? So these are meant to be like good bakers, but they're giving they're given like this ridiculous challenge and when you try and do it on your own, yeah. it never comes out as good as it looks. I feel like that's a big untapped market is show me talented people fucking up. Yeah, so it's basically yeah. it's called Nailed It, but like the little tagline is like nailed it or failed it. Yeah. So it's basically they have I'm explaining it kind of badly, but they just have like, you know, like a character or like yeah. a animal kind of cake that you have to make. And they're just supposed to reverse engineer it with whatever materials they have. Uh -huh. So even though they're good bakers and it tastes good, like it just looks shitty. Right. And I relate to that because I like baking and I am shit at like pastry decorating. Sure. So it will taste good, but it's not going to look like anything nice. Okay. So I relate to that. Cool. I'll never watch it because it's on Netflix and we don't have it. But I was intrigued <sighs> by it. Um, one thing that you've been complaining about. I don't for complain. ages, the Mary Poppins trailer. Yeah, did you it doesn't watch it? exist. There's no movie. It's real. It's vaporware, you, just like the Grinch. Did you watch vaporware. it? No. At the Oscars, they had the actual trailer, and no. it came out. It's not real. Okay. And Manuel and Emily Blunt just went and screwed for a while. What? <gasps> Take that back. Whoa! Take that. Starting back. hot rumors. I take it back. Thank you. They're both happily married. Yes. And Lin-Manuel is a good man and he's trustworthy and he loves his wife. And they have Mary a new baby. Poppins. Mary Poppins, y'all. Um, okay. 
I saved the best one for last. Mm -hmm. Did you see the news about the Golden Compass? That was my upcoming one. I was just about to break the news to you. Oh, go for it. Uh, the girl who doesn't talk from Logan is going to be Lyra. Yeah, she's going to be the perfect Lyra. Yeah, people were concerned that she only spoke Spanish, but she speaks English. Oh, well, it'll work because she'll... Well, she's supposed to have a British accent, so I wonder yeah. how they'll do that, but... It says she has a British mother, so she'll be fine. Cool, perfect. Mm -hmm. So I would... I think we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but I would love a good Golden Compass or His Dark Materials adaptation, so... Yeah, this article I was reading clearly doesn't know it's shit. It says it's going to be adapting Northern Lights, Subtle Knife, and Amber Spyglass. Well... Depends what country you're in, honey. Northern Lights <gasps> is what the book is called in oh, Australia. What's and the, the UK. short one called? Uh, like Tales from Oxford. Okay, I take it back. Then I take it back. Once upon a time in the north and Lyra's Oxford. So, so this has been more than a decade since Nicole Kidman ugh. was in that terrible version. Yeah. So it's called the Northern Lights in other countries, like the Philosopher's Stone. Got it. I'm, I stand corrected. Well, if it's an American article. Yeah. But yes. So I'm very excited for that. And I'm cautiously optimistic because it can't be worse than that Golden Compass movie. What was bad with the Golden Compass movie? I don't actually know. They just... Kind of like, like the prequels. I just know that they're bad. I don't really remember why. They just like dumbed it down so much that it was basically just like a story of a girl who meets an armored bear and then goes to try to like save her dad. Got it. Like These people are talking about it's it chickened out from the anti-Christian yes. themes. Yes. Okay. There was like absolutely no talk about the church and like the snatchers wasn't even really a thing or the um what do they call them the grab what were they called the grabbers the mm. the yeah mm. Mm. whatever the they gobblers? were called. gobblers okay so like they kind of really skated over that the whole thing with the egyptians on the boats and stuff they kind of skated over like it literally was she runs around a school she like her her father gets captured by like the bears so they just try to turn it into like a kid's movie yes they tried to yeah. turn it into like um c.s lewis kind of just like i was gonna say but even narnia has deeper darker themes yeah so they basically tried to soften all the edges of it and we're yeah. too scared to do anything about the church or government or anything like that and just made it the story of like this girl it's like the narnia one where it's just the the weird silly kid on a boat the whole time sure mm. so yeah a lot of like the more interesting themes about like dust and other worlds and all this other stuff they really didn't do anything with so it wasn't, I don't think it was like unwatchable terrible, because mm. um, I definitely saw it in theaters. So I don't think it was like, how dare they make this trash? It was more just like, wow, that was kind of a bland, underwhelming, un yeah. underwhelming unexciting like version of this. And where are we going to be able to watch this new version? I don't know. I was going to ask if you had it on the article, what um, um, channel is going to be. BBC. Okay. So that's why it's called. Kinda I hope it's on Lights. BBC America then. It better be. An eight-part series. Is that enough to get through all that material? All that dark material? Um, I don't know. Is that just the first book or all of it? It says eight-part eight series for all well, the books. Well, if you think about how long a movie is, if two and a half hours it's for true. each book. You think it might be like Sherlock kind of style? Maybe. All right, we got to get to bed. It's Daylight Savings. Oh, Any Daylight is. Savings rants to go on? 
No. People get so riled up about it for like 48 hours. Spring ahead, fall back, move on. Okay. This is a long one. Oof. You stuck with us through all of this rambling. You're a champion. Um, once again, you can follow us on Twitter at ddgetdown, and I'll try and post a bunch of the links that we talked about. Um, you can always subscribe and write a review if you feel like being nice. Mm -hmm. And what else? Is that it? Uh, Heather's only on the gold level on book digits, so you have plenty of time to catch up and surpass oh, her. So it's rude. got a long way to go. So rude. Okay. Have a good week. See ya. You gotta get down when they get down. Well now, get down, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down.